0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of the Connected Families podcast. I'm Stacy Bellward, and I'm so glad you joined us. This is the fourth episode in a five-part series for dads, and a few moms have listened in, too. Today, we're going to discuss what it means to lead our kids to Jesus, and it may not be exactly what you think. This special series is dedicated to the memory of James P. Jackson, the father of Connected Families co-founder Jim Jackson, who passed away late in 2019. So listen in as Connected Families co-founder Jim Jackson and close colleague and parent coach Chad Hange give insight about natural ways dads can lead their kids to Jesus.
1: Hey Chad, I'm excited to be with you for this session. Session four, and that thing Stacy said about might not be what people think is—it's got me a little scared. If I'm listening, <laughs> it's like, what are they talking about? Right, what right. I mean, it might not be what we think, and I guess I don't want to be presumptuous about what people think. But as as we've traveled around and we hear people talk about how they think their kids ought to be discipled, the answers they give give us some clues to why maybe we've got a little problem on our hands in the church today.
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, in the that most dads just don't feel very equipped. You know, perhaps it's something that wasn't handed down yeah. from their dad well, or maybe it was like in my house, we had sitting around the dinner table, and by dinner, I mean lunch. That's <laughs> right, was, right, right. That was a that was difference, community. right? Exactly. And we were going to sit there and listen to a devotional, and uh, then we were going to pray and uh, have a scripture reading. Okay. That was discipleship in its formal sense yep. in my house, for good, for bad, whatever it was. But that that was kind of the plan, and then maybe we're going to just hope for the best or drop the kids off at Sunday school and, yeah. and see where it goes from there.
1: And I think that approach could be a great part of a yeah. plan. Yep. I recall some years ago working with a church, and the church had a mission statement about youth that really inspired me, and it was that oh. this church is going to come alongside parents in the discipleship of their children. Which is a good statement because that acknowledges it's the parent's job to disciple their children. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in your home, parents took that sort of job seriously. But when we asked the staff people who had written that, what is your strategy for making sure parents are discipling children so that when you come alongside them, you have a sense of what it is you're coming alongside. And they couldn't answer it. They had no idea. There was really no way in which the church intentionally took it upon themselves to do a better job of equipping parents Mm -hmm. to disciple their
2: kids. Yeah, so almost like you recognize the need and the statement was right on, Mm -hmm. but then the how, it always kind of gets uh, difficult or tricky, right, where we go, okay, so how are we going to do that? What's it really going to look Yep. And strangely, in that
1: environment then, and not that church specifically, but in a number of other churches, we would hear from church staff, and they would say, you know, we're kind of tired of being the place where parents think their kids are supposed to get discipled. Mm -hmm. Like, they just drop their kids off and expect us to do the job. But the truth is, the church staff would tell us, it's the parents' job. And so they need to be doing more. They should be doing more. So we'll preach a sermon to inspire the parents, but what does it mean to truly equip a parent... To disciple their kids,
2: and if I'm the parent, I am looking at the people at church, going, they're way more qualified than me. Yeah, right. I mean, they they've gone to school for this. Likely, they've been looking at all the curriculums. Mm -hmm. They know the songs. Yeah, Uh, you know, they've been called to this. Yep. So, you know, in some ways, there's there's just sense that yeah, I I just want to hand them off, right? And that was
1: a challenge for us early on, as we were. Trying to rally the kids around the living room and do some things to talk about the Bible or read the Bible and talk about application, and they would get bored in in three minutes. Right. In part because I was probably pretty boring. <laughs> <No>. Wow. <Well, laughs> <But>, come on, <laughs> Jim. I've listened to you
2: many times, uh, and, you're and always you know, transfixed <laughs> at yeah. every yeah, moment. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but you know, the the truth is, is that the experience they got about learning faith at church was was well done. Mm-hmm. It was amped up. It was it yeah. was exciting. It kept their attention. It used the Great. latest and greatest technology and software and curriculum. And so the issue that we struggled with was we don't know how to do this in a way that keeps our kids' attention.
2: Yeah, so you know, even underneath that, our kids are learning in that kind of environment about what it looks like to be a person of faith. And I think that that can sometimes lead our kids to a place of where they're maybe leaving the church because it's not entertaining enough, or there's not enough action going on, or it feels maybe more boring, and perhaps we've set up our kids to have expectations that aren't very realistic.
1: Well, and I wonder if this is not where that part about a little bit different way of thinking about this comes in, because it's our thought at Connected Families that we are our kids' primary disciples. Right. Period. Agreed. Not if we do it good, not if we don't do it good. The way we live our lives in front of our kids is constant. They're observing, they're, they're learning right. based on what they observe. We're teaching them important lessons. And if the lesson that they're learning from us when we drop them off at church, because that's where spiritual development happens, might just be that, well, faith happens over there disconnected. You know, other activities happen over here, and you know, family life happens over here, but here's where we're going to do faith, is at mm-hmm. this meeting once or twice a week.
2: You know, it, like with most things, if we're going to look at uh, developing some change, or at least identifying where we're at, it typically is a good place to start with us, mm-hmm. okay? It's it's not the place that I would like to start. Yeah. I'd like to just look at my kids and say, What's just listen to the Bible reading I'm going to give to yeah. you for three minutes here, and apply it, right? I mean, but you're really getting a Underneath need yep. something here, yeah. of, of what are they seeing from us? How do we view these things? And so the question
1: that we pose to parents is not, are you discipling your kids? Because they are. They are. You... The question is, is what are you discipling your kids in? Mm-hmm. What are you discipling them to value, to learn, to grow in? What are you communicating by your family's actions matters the most? And that is discipleship.
2: Then how would you know? So, I mean, so what are some key indicators in terms of if I'm going to look at myself and go, how am I discipling them? How would I know? Well, how you would know is, A, to just admit you are
1: discipling your children. So just say it out loud, everybody. As you listen, I'm discipling my kids. I am discipling my kids. Exactly. And so then anybody that cares enough about their kids to be listening to a podcast like this is probably doing a ton of pretty good stuff, right? and the way that you spend your money is probably thoughtful. It goes through the lens of the Bible and your values, and maybe it's not as thoughtful as it could be, but the, the way we spend our money, the way we give, the way we, what our calendar Time. looks like, mm-hmm. those are all indicators of a value system that we have that in all likelihood is demonstrative of faith in Christ right. and a desire to do what God built us to do. The question is, are your kids watching and interpreting that correctly or not?
2: The framing that I have, and it it helped me shift my own thinking around this, is that kids are really amazing observers, but they're awful interpreters. They observe things really, really well, but their interpretation of what happened oftentimes is not so good. So for example? Yes. So for example, you get whatever you want whenever you want it, Jim. Because as a kid of yours, I watch you take out this plastic little thing, slide it into this machine, and walk out the door of the store with anything you want. And then you know what? I ask you for one thing. One thing, Jim. And you say no to me, and you have that plastic little thing in your hand, and all you need to do is slide it in the card, and and, and it's so easy for you to say yes. Yeah, so
1: this is fantastic, because here's a great opportunity to think about, all right, most of us, as as followers of Jesus, spend our money pretty wisely. Not everybody all the time, but when we spend our money wisely, we have an opportunity to disciple our kids in how money works. Are we thoughtful about that? Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's some verses that I want to look at here quick before our break in Deuteronomy that yeah. give us a guide yeah. to, to be a little more thoughtful about this idea that we are discipling, and how are we discipling, how are we giving voice to what we want our kids to be learning, and to be a little more thoughtful about that. And it comes in the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses is just launching into his final sermon— to the nation of Israel before they go into the promised land without him. And he says to them, and I'm imagining pretty grand fashion, this set of verses called the Shema. I'm going to focus on the part about how to translate this to our kids. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Uh, Is there any part of my day that's not included there?
2: (laughs) I think it covers it all. So
1: so talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. That's probably about keeping me reminded to talk Mm -hmm. about stuff all the time. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And this is an imperative for the whole community. This isn't just for pastors. This isn't necessarily even just for parents, but for us as parents to be thoughtful about the fact that it's our job to impress the way of the Lord upon our kids—
2: let it be in front of us all the time. All the
1: time. Mm -hmm. And are we giving voice through the decisions we make, where we go, lessons that we enroll our children in? Is it music? Is it sports? Why are we here? Is this part of God's purposes and plans for us? How do we talk about that? How do we think about that? And we're going to come back on the other side of break and unpack that a little bit more because of how important we think this is. Mm -hmm. One of parents' biggest frustrations is not knowing how to respond when their kids misbehave.
0: They want to teach good lessons and stop
1: the bad behavior, but the efforts to do so often make matters worse as frustration and resentment grow between parents and their kids. Hi friends, we're Jim and Lynn Jackson. And over our decades of working with parents, we've found that there is a better way, not just to make the behavior stop, but to grow character and closeness right in the middle of misbehavior and discipline. We want to help you learn to use those messy conflicts to build skills, wisdom, and faith in your kids that will equip them for a lifetime. So we've made this course to be eight sessions. It's interactive, you'll dig in with other parents, and it's designed for parents who want more for their family than just quick fixes or behavior modification tricks. We're going to teach you an easy-to-remember framework for parenting and tons of practical tools that will apply to any situation you can imagine with your kids, whether they're 2 or 12 or even 18 or more.
0: Discipline That Connects runs twice a year. Registration is open in January and the course starts in February. You can find all of the information in our show notes or at connectedfamilies.org. I'm Stacey Bellward, the course moderator, and I hope you join me and hundreds of others as together we learn to connect deeper with our children.
1: Here we are after the break, and even during the break, talking about what does it mean to live out Deuteronomy 6 and this idea of impressing on our children the commandment of the Lord. I love that term in the Hebrew. I looked it up. I'm no Hebrew scholar, but impressing someone is is a knife sharpening term. Hmm. And back then, I mean, they had knives, but in order to keep them sharp, they had to sharpen them. Every time they used them, all the time we had to sharpen this knife or it was useless to us. That's and so this whole idea of being thoughtful to talk, as we sit down, as we go, as we come home, as we lie down, that's when we go to bed, I presume. It's pervasive, right? Yeah. And Parents have said, "Well, I mean, I can do a devotional once a week, and I can plan some things, but I can't do that all the time." And so that's where this unexpected part of discipleship uh, really—we need to have a plan. And we suggest parents have a plan. I mean, how many businesses that we all work for have a plan, including ours, including connected families? (laughs) Every one of them, and most employees can recite it. Does Mm -hmm. your family have a plan? Most of ours don't because it doesn't feel natural. But but it is important to have a plan. But really, we found the most important faith-building space is the unplanned.
2: The framing that we use. in our family or that, that uh, I started to talk about is living my life out loud. Like How do I live my life out loud so my kids understand what's going on inside of me Mm -hmm. with decisions that I make? So, example, going to Target, going to get a new flat-screen TV. Get out the plastic. We're we're rolling in, right? Come home with a new thing. Three daughters in tow. They all know my intentions, been saving up for this thing. Walk in. 20 minutes later, we walk out the door. And I'm curious, always curious, about what my kids believe about what happened. So we walk out the door. And I and I said to them, hey, does anybody know why I didn't get a TV? You know, again, I love that kind of question because it gives you insight into how they're interpreting mm-hmm. things. And one answer was, well, they just didn't have the right color, right? I mean, <laughs> well, black is kind of your thing. It's yeah. kind of your color, right? Okay. So, again, swing and a miss. They, they didn't know.
1: Bad color. You didn't like yeah, their selection today. One
2: was it just wasn't big enough, right? Oh. You didn't find a big enough television. I'm like, no, 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 that's not really... Right on either. So can I tell you why I didn't? And here we are. If I walk out that door and they just go, oh, dad on a whim decided not to get a TV tonight rather than, well, we have this thing called a budget. We only have so much money Mm -hmm. and we don't have money for everything. And so we've been planning for this. But this TV that I thought was on sale is not on sale. So that means we have to look at our values and yeah. our decision-making. and What do we value most? Yeah. And my youngest daughter would oftentimes say, and it always throw me off, she'd say, well, we have the money still, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, Of well, course we do. Yes, we do. But if we lived our life like that, right. we wouldn't have it for much longer. So just that idea of, again, living life yes. out loud. Yes. How do we, now suddenly we're into a financial money management stewardship conversation. Yep rather than dad just didn't get the TV that he wanted.
1: Yeah, or if you do buy the TV, it still is living life out loud. Sure. guess what? We found a TV that fit our budget and that's a part of our plan to- And how and and why? And then what are we going to use that TV for? And Mm -hmm. why do we have a TV? And how do the videos and the things that are going to be shown on it, a part of our belief that God has blessed us and wants us to learn and grow? And what does entertainment mean? And how are we going to participate in that? So it gives us an opportunity to talk through all those things. What's always struck me about this thought That if I am compelled to live life out loud, Mm -hmm. then I have to think about the logic that I'm going to give for the things that I do. And sometimes darned if I don't discover that the logic that I have isn't so good
2: yeah and that's again where it comes back to personal mm-hmm. issues here rather than it's just about my kids what are my kids learning from me yeah. as they observe and watch and it also then forces me to go inward and go huh yeah what might I need to change and not with a judgmental bony finger in your face like you're doing yep, you know all yep. this stuff bad or wrong it's just it's it's really just insight like <laughs> developing some insight because our kids are really good at recognizing what we're imposing on them that we're not living Mm -hmm. ourselves.
1: Well, and this is, strangely, I just thought of this now and we haven't even discussed this ahead of time, but this is why Lynn and I decided that we were going to argue our arguments in front of our kids. Hmm. We were going to live out loud our life (laughs) in front of our kids because, A, we argue, and B, when our kids are around, then it actually helps us be accountable to arguing more honorably. Mm -hmm. And it helps them to see a model of healthy conflict resolution, healthy empowerment of, you know, so Lynn would stand up for herself and instead of saying, well, I'm the dad, and you have to, or I'm the husband, and you have to do what I say, we would have healthy conversations about how we're going to submit to one another in our submission to Christ, and we'd talk about that, and our kids would see it and mm-hmm. learn from it, and to this day, they're in their late 20s and 30s, mm-hmm. these kids conduct the most honoring relationships with their significant others that, that we've seen among mm-hmm. young people.
2: Well, wow, that's a whole another level of living life out loud right there. Yeah, We
1: didn't have a plan, other than a commitment, mm-hmm. to live life out loud around all of the different aspects of our life, as appropriate for our kids' young years, of course.
2: I think it, it kind of brings us to a place of trying to answer the question, like if we're going to do something new, where do we start? Probably I'm not going to start by having arguments in front of the kids sure. with my you know, with my wife, but what are some simple, easy steps that we can move into?
1: So I hear this question as really, how is what we're already doing tilling the soil for discipleship in our home? Mm. And so for me, a starting place is pray out loud a little bit more, maybe for that car that you're passing that's having trouble on the roadside or an accident, or when kids come home and talk about a student at school who's struggled a struggle, and it's the kind of thing that compels us to pray, and we might Mm. say a quick silent prayer about that. Well, let's invite the kids into that. I remember I to come home from work on occasion a little discouraged and I made a, a practice of bringing one of my kids over and having him look at or her look at my face. Like, my, do you see my face right now? It's a little sad, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so I had a tough day and I would like to pray and I'd like you to pray with me. Because I would pray about my tough day naturally already. Yeah. So it's just about taking that thing that I already do in my brain, which is pray, and doing it out loud and finding a time or a space to do that.
2: I think one thing for me, moving into this territory, if it feels like it's something that's fairly New, or you just want to? You're going to get stretched out a little bit here, and doing something more yep. in discipleship is just pray and ask God for help here. God, how do you want to engage? my kids in learning more about jesus and and what are the things that you want me to do and i just really find that when dads would stop and just pray and ask for help god in every situation doesn't work the same and we're not talking about things today going well just be prescriptive here just do these things that's just not how faith development and leading our kids to jesus works so just stopping and praying god What do you want to see happen here? How can I do this? And uh, just trust that the Lord is in that and that he wants to engage and Mm -hmm. empower you to disciple. I know
1: one of the stories, Chad, that I've heard you tell, and I'm implicated in the story a little bit, is this story of how you discipled your kids in confession and humility.
2: So I, I recognize at one point that my kids thought I never did anything wrong. Or I knew the answers to everything, because they would ask me a question, and I would have an answer for it. And so I remember one <laughs> time at dinner, I sat down and I said to my kids, you know, today was a really hard day. For the last three days, the Holy Spirit has been telling me I need to make something right with somebody I made it wrong to. And I said, uh, three days ago, I lied to Mr. Jackson. And <laughs> that's you, right? Yeah, and, that's and, me. And I would I'm, say—
1: I'm grasping for what the lie was. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so, but the Holy Spirit was reminding me, yeah. right? And so— in this effort to be authentic, not oversharing, but at least let them know. Yeah. And I said, today was really hard today. I needed to apologize to Mr. Jackson because I lied to him. And one of my kids goes, Dad, you still lie? <laughs> and I said, yes, sometimes I struggle yeah. with that. I struggle with making stories sound better than they really were. Yeah. And and yet the Holy Spirit was speaking into me and saying, make it right. Yeah. And so today I, I did I, with Mr. Jackson and a couple other people that were in that room with me and they're like, oh, What did he say? I'm super curious. This is probably one of the most engaged dinners we've ever had. Because <laughs> what did he say? And I said, Well he said that he forgave me mm-hmm. and that he likely even trusts me more now than yeah. he did before. Yeah. So receiving that forgiveness lifts a weight off my shoulders and I can be in right relationship yeah. again with Mr. Jackson. And
1: what a profound opportunity then when when we confess our humility, our recognition of our mistake, of our sin, and the move to repent by asking for forgiveness in real life. Mm-hmm. We've just lived out loud what the gospel is. And people ask all the time, like, what's the best curriculum for leading my child to Jesus? And the truth, is the best curriculum for leading your child to Jesus is you Mm -hmm. explaining your process of salvation with your own kids. Mm -hmm. Not just through your story. Like, I think it's great if we sit our kids down and tell them our faith journey, Mm -hmm. our faith story. Even if it's not perfect, even if there's still hitches and and struggles in it, to tell them, I decided to submit my life to Jesus Christ because I recognized I was a sinner separated from God by my sin and I needed to make things right in relationship Mm -hmm. with God just like I made things right in my relationship with Mr. Jackson or with my wife or with our neighbors or with my parents or yeah. you know whoever it might be. We, every day, make mistakes in relationships, or most days, that we want to experience restoration in that relationship. Well, those are models of the very gospel right. that we're called to in Christ, who is the only one who, when relationship is broken, doesn't turn his back on us, right. remains right there. We've turned our back on him, and mm-hmm. then we come back and we're restored.
2: That's powerful. That's the gospel lived out loud. And, uh, you know, I know that there are a couple tools, and people are always looking for tools. One of my favorite things that we came across in terms of reading Scripture with our kids that made it come alive was a Bible translated by Wycliffe Bible Translators in Hawaiian Pidgin. (laughs) You know, and Pidgin always has enough English in it that you can kind of figure out where you're going with that, but it uses words that are so different. And it started to, to bring Scripture alive in new ways for us. Yeah. That was really really fun, and our kids yeah. look forward to reading the Bible through that lens. And I know that you've uh, you've used that. Well, that yeah, you introduced well. the
1: pigeon to us, and we read it every year at the Christmas story. And we made a plan. So yeah. so here's where yes, live life out loud. But then, what are the routines? What are the mm-hmm. regularly scheduled ways in which we have decided to live life out loud and bring the scripture to it, bring stories yep. to it, bring resources to it? We'll list in the show notes a number of different resources that. We we found are just really helpful for parents mm-hmm. but one of the things as you're doing these sorts of things that we found and this is kind of a youth worker principle is that it's always better to leave kids wanting more than it is to leave them thinking they had too much. Yes. And so, you know, we used to open, and we're going to read James 1 today, and the kids would lose— By verse (laughs) 3. Yeah, they would (laughs) lose attention by by verse 3, and Mm -hmm. then I'd get frustrated and mad, and so now I'm living life out loud in a counterproductive way as I'm reading. So keep it short, keep it fun, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Start where you're at and build and grow from there is the best advice I think we can give you about discipleship today, reminding you— That you are discipling your kids all the time. All the time. So it's energizing to talk about, and it feels like we left so much out, but we're going to turn the corner for next episode and talk about really establishing the purposes of God for your unique family in your home with your kids. So we hope you join us for that.
0: This is so inspiring. It makes me want to lead my kids to Jesus every day, all the time. Well, we sure hope you are enjoying these episodes And if you are, then please rate and review so others can find us more easily. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. The Discipline That Connects online course describes a relational way to lead kids to Jesus even when they misbehave. There's a link to the course in our show notes. Register today. We look forward to next time when we will finish up this five part series with Jim Jackson and Chad Hange discussing the power of knowing your family's purpose. We hope you can join us. Visit connectedfamilies.org for more information.